1998 in a remote California town at a secluded private school. We could have a Halloween party, just the four of us. We could have a roaming orgy. I love the way this man thinks. Hello, welcome to the Really Refreshing Podcast. It's the show where we deep dive into a movie from yesteryear, exploring the concept of cinematic nostalgia goggles. We're here to find out, after many years later, do we still like these movies? Are they still good? Were they ever good at all? What hasn't stood the test of time? These are the questions that we're looking to answer. I'm Tanner Koch, your host as always, and returning to the pod today is my good buddy, host of the Nothing to Play podcast, co-host of that Pixel Life podcast, and the creator of Negative Space, the video game, coming to your PC very soon. It's your boy, Justin Carter. I know. I'm so happy to be back. I was on episode one of the Really Refreshing podcast for, uh, uh yeah, yes, Really Refreshing. I was like, oh my god, did I put you in But yes, no, you're for, here. Yes, I'm here, you know, in, in the flesh. I was in the first episode about the craft, and I'm here for the Halloween Spooktacular. Yes, as mentioned, Justin was on the pilot episode of this show, and... Uh, we actually talked about what we're going to be doing today on this very pod, which we'll get to in a second. Also, you may notice the sounds a bit different. We're doing something a little bit on the extra, uh, post-COVID, still during COVID. We're doing an app in person for the very first time. So you have that more acoustic type feel. That is what you're hearing right now, but it is cool because we're sitting right next to each other gonna play some magic after this and uh i'll have a much easier time editing this as well yeah dude tanner yesterday said covid's over we won <laughs> like we beat it yeah. <laughs> silly me silly me just like the war on drugs <laughs> so uh justin why don't you tell us what is our subject matter of today's episode so today is one of my favorite horror movie series so we're doing halloween and not just any halloween movie halloween h2o which my, like my history with like it was one of the first move like vhs's i ever bought myself i bought it for i think about six dollars at half price books <laughs> when i was in like seventh grade and i hadn't seen even all the this is like the seventh movie i believe yeah. in the franchise and I had seen, I'd rented some from Hollywood Video, that's a throwback right there, uh, here and there, so it's like, I didn't know all of the deep Michael Myers lore when watching it, so the first time when I watched it, I was a little confused as to the timeline of it, because I just watched the movies in whatever order I could get my hands on when I was renting them, and then later on in life, once I actually saw the previous six movies, it made a little bit more sense into the timeline that the movie actually takes place in. <laughs> I have never seen this movie. This will be my first time. I wasn't aware of its existence. Uh, uh, ironically, I actually I remembered the title, um, and I have a little bit of a background to that, but I, always, I kept mixing up with uh, the movie that subsedes this one, so Halloween Resurrection. <laughs> so I thought it was the Busta Rhymes Halloween movie. 
But this is the LL Cool J Halloween movie. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so this one is interesting. It's the 20 year anniversary. So this was released in 1998. Came out 20 years after the original Halloween. So I I want to say the the title is supposed to be like H20. It says it's like the 20th anniversary. But I always called it H2O. And um, hilariously, when I was eight years old and the movie came out, having not known much about Halloween except for it was like one of the big like slasher characters, just by, I didn't see the trailer, but by note, seeing the poster, I for some reason thought it was going to be a movie where Michael Myers had like these aquatic powers where he could like <laughs> mystify himself and like just travel like the mist because it was H2O but so I was thinking water. <laughs> like, They're like at SeaWorld and he just shows up and starts killing everyone. Yeah. So I mean so uh, that's hilarious. Did they not card you buying that VHS tape? Well, <laughs> my mom there? was with me oh, okay. so. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So it sounds like you had uh, you watched this on the reg then when you were a kid. Yes, I was as a child, which it's funny, like neither of my parents really like horror movies at all. I was the only one and I don't really know what started it, but it's like in middle school, I was Michael Myers for Halloween, I believe in seventh grade and I was Jason <laughs> Voorhees one year. Um, I always really loved slasher movies and Halloween was one of my favorite series like out of all the slasher. I just really liked Michael Myers. I liked that he was like this unstoppable force that just kind of like came always pursued like simple kitchen knife his mask was always spooky and the jump scares in it were always really good yeah and for me it was like the when i eventually got into the series it was like the john carpenter score like, mm -hmm. it's so oh good. yeah it's like a halloween classic like no pun intended like it, it it's just like so iconic and you just hear that theme and it's just like so so cool uh, so that was my relation to that but yeah this was my first go around seeing the movie so before you did this latest rewatch how long would you say it had been since you last saw it i think i did a rewatch of all the halloween movies i think before i want to say it was before the rob zombie one the very first rob zombie one came oh, out okay so, so like early 2000s sometime in there yeah, so I want to say it's probably been about 10-ish years since I... Oh, it's been H2O years since I watched it. But um, I do not have my VHS anymore, unfortunately. I think it got sold at a yard sale oh, years no. and years ago. But it's fine because, like, most of my VHS is, you know, like, it, during some of my favorite parts, you know, it does the, the feedback. The feedback, line. yeah, squiggle, VHS squiggle, so. Not to even discount the fact that you're missing the size of the frames <laughs> <laughs> since they had to make it a square box for the old tube televisions. So uh, then, at, also before this rewatch, what did you think you were going to feel coming out of it? Did you think it was going to be bad? Did you think, like... It would shift or one way or the other. I didn't think it was going to be bad. I felt like there's probably more things I would notice like wrong with it, but I still felt like I would enjoy it because I do enjoy it, even though a lot of the later Halloween movies get kind of iffy, like once they get into the cult of Michael Myers and like the whatever kind of like bullshit with it, uh, you know, it gets a little hokey, but I always enjoyed H2O, so I still thought I would still come out enjoying the movie. 
For me, I obviously I hadn't seen it. I did watch the trailer going uh, before going into it, and I was like, "Holy shit!" There's so many famous people in this movie, and it was, a lot of it is like before they were famous. <laughs> like this was Josh Hartnett's very first ever anything acting. He got the uh, an introducing credit at the beginning of the movie. Uh, I will say I did also rewatch the trailer, and I do want to appreciate the fact that you watch horror movie trailers today, they give away everything uh-huh. in the trailer, like the entire thing. Where you watch, go back, 1990s, you know, watch this trailer, it's literally 30 seconds, and they don't show you everything. They're like, this summer, Michael Myers, Halloween, and it's like, there you go. That's it. That's what you get. They don't. You don't the, need to see the entire movie. The don't trailer see the I saw, you would have thought that uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt was like a star of the film because <laughs> like it just stuck to like the opening scene for the most part. Uh, and then of course you have like '90s trailers. You have the and this summer Michael Myers returns, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, so my expectations going into it was well, a having not really. Uh, remembered its existence for a long time and then you know thinking it was some aquatic michael myers venture um for a long time as well i just uh i i liked the recent reboot the uh david gordon green like what was it 2018 or 2017 i liked the first one the last one halloween kills was horrendously bad god Um, it's so (laughs) disappointing that reboot was so good the first one, I yeah. think they knocked it out of the park. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, man, we're actually getting, like, they're vetoing, like, everything that came after, like, the original one. Like, they got rid of the cult, whatever, and they're starting off fresh. It's going to be good. And then you're right, man. They butchered the sequel so that it was laughably bad, and it makes me scared for Halloween Kills, which comes out next or month. Halloween Ends. So oh, well, it is. It's That's finally timing to end. Uh, okay, so, yeah, what I was trying to get at with that, though, is that... Halloween franchise has been back in the lexicon of, you know, uh, social conversation again because that reboot series has been uh, very successful. And so it was weird to me that there's never any mention of Halloween H20, H2O, whatever. We, we could just keep calling it H2O because it's more fun to say. <laughs> but, uh, like, I, that I'd never heard any fanfare about it or nobody ever references that movie. And uh, I understand why now when I watch it, not because it's necessarily bad, it's that this franchise has, like, hard or soft rebooted itself so many damn times and, like, just deleted past entries from canon, like, multiple times. Like, this movie. Uh, we'll get into it uh, with the overall story but this one like I said it's the anniversary movie takes place 20 years after the original and it intentionally wipes out 4 through 6 like from the story so it's just like you only saw Halloween 1 and 2 and then it goes into H2O Um, but that's exactly what the (laughs) David Gordon Green movies did which they deleted you know 35 years worth of Halloween movies and just made it a sequel to like the first one or maybe the first and second one much like this one did so this one did the exact same thing as the new like legacy sequel like franchise has done but in H2O you've got Josh Hartnett is Laurie's son and then in the David Gordon Green uh, one that also wipes out all the previous sequels, she's got a daughter. 
uh, who well, and she's a grandma because her daughter's got a daughter, um, and so like they can't coexist in the same can because they're completely different timelines. <laughs> That's pretty bonkers. Yeah, and it's weird because they essentially do kind of the same thing too. Like yeah. in H two O, it's all about you know Lori coming to terms with her past and finally deciding yeah. that she's Trauma. done. Yeah, and she's finally done running away from her brother and finally like stands up to him, which is what they do in this reboot. Exactly, so I it's don't, the same I fucking know. movie, dude. No, I don't That's know what, why. Yeah, we haven't got into the plot yet, but it's the same fucking movie, just in a different setting. Like, it's like, whoa, I was so stunned by that. Uh, so we're jumping ahead a little bit, but if you haven't listened to this show before, uh, here's the basic concept. We just gave you the intro. We're going to go through some fun facts about the production of the film and the release of it. Um, some fun tidbits of what goes on on screen. Then we're going to do a deep dive into the plot of the film and uh, go through every little detail that we thought was noteworthy uh, throughout the watch. Then at the end, we're going to answer several category awards um, that we'll be handing out for various different things. And then we'll cap it all off by recasting the movie ourselves, playing the role of producers, and uh, seeing how we could make this exact same movie but better today. Um, and before we get into all those things I just went through, um, I can go through our topic rounds for today's episode. Some of them are the normal ones, and we added some new ones that will be fun for this particular experience. So... We've got uh, best performance, best aspect of the film, the fine wine and stale beer awards, which is essentially what has aged well and what uh, would not fly to today's standards. Um, best scene, best kill, specifically for this one. Uh, and uh, since this one, this is a new category we'll do on each episode. Uh, we'll take the year that the film was released, and the question is, what's the most 1998 thing about this picture? So those are the categories that we'll be going through at the end once we get through our, our chat about the whole uh, film plot and experience. So full spoiler territory, we're going to go through the whole shebang here. Um, but before we get into that, let's go over some fun tidbits about the making of the film so one thing that struck me reading some background research that this was originally supposed to be directed by john carpenter for the anniversary and i guess jamie lee curtis initially started the conversations for for getting the movie up and running and she wanted to bring back the whole crew that made the original movie um but apparently oh by the way this movie is produced by harvey weinstein <laughs> and uh, and uh some other guy who sounds like a real jerk i forgot his name uh, I could look it up, but let's, for the sake of time, let's say producer number two. Uh, he wanted $10 million to do the project, and he wanted a three-picture deal so that if he did this Halloween movie, he could get another movie of his that he wanted to make like a passion project funded. So the producer's are like, no, go fuck yourself. <laughs> and uh, from there, uh, Jamie stayed on, but that was basically it. So she started it as like a project of good intentions, like wanting to commemorate this film franchise that like started her career. Um, but ultimately she said, 
after that happened, she just ended up doing it for the money, is what she said in blatantly in many, many interviews that this was a money project for her. And interestingly enough, in order to get this movie made, she uh, had to sign a multi-picture contract just to get this one made. And so this one was fairly successful. And um, yeah, they they forced her into a sequel, which we had already mentioned, uh, Halloween Resurrection, um, which she was not pleased about and doesn't consider that a real movie. Well, I mean, she was also only in it for like the first... 15 minutes that was like an insistence of her that she said i have to die at the beginning of the movie because i want nothing to do with this project um what is our box office here um so the estimated budget for the film was 17 million dollars on opening weekend it made 16 million so almost its entire production budget this is 1998 by the way uh in the opening weekend and it went on for a worldwide gross um, it looks like it didn't release internationally, though. It only released in the U.S. Um, but it had a worldwide gross, only in the U.S., for $55 million. So this was a hit. Uh, made triple, little more than triple its budget. So hence why you got Halloween Resurrection. But Halloween Resurrection shouldn't really exist um, based off of the ending of this film, which we'll get into uh, when we go through the deep dive section. But uh, yeah, quite a bit of interesting drama there. Um, But it was just a 100% of paycheck job for Jamie, ultimately speaking. Which is weird because, you know, I thought she did... She, you know, she got put on the map as like the survivor girl because of the Halloween movies and stuff. And arguably, I also think she was, you know, like, gave one of the most, like, gripping performances in H2O. You know, most everyone's kind of like, oh, you know, like, whatever, you know. And she's like, no, you stupid fuck. Like, he's coming, and he's going to kill everyone. Like, I'm going to be ready. Like, I'm not crazy. (laughs) Yeah, what I thought was really interesting, too, was I know there was one scene with, uh, uh, you know, her, Jamie Lee Curtis's mom was in the movie as well as Norma Watson, who was her secretary. And she's, you know, most known for her role in Psycho. And they actually got the car from Psycho into Halloween H2O. And on the license plate, it has Norman Bates's initials. And I want to say it's like the year, it's Norman Bates's initials. And I want to say it's the year Psycho came out. So it's like, like in whatever be 1970 something. I had no idea that uh, Janet Lee was... Uh... Jamie Lee Curtis's mom is so funny. Like, two scream queens in the same family. <laughs> yeah, the, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> what was funny to me was um, there's a scene where, like, the kids are watching a movie and it's fucking Scream 2, yep. which had just come out, like, the year prior to that. Like, I like all that little play that they did at those times, like, between all the horror movies even if they weren't owned by, like, the same companies. Like, they still did a lot of, like, cross-play between them. Um, A a fun fact about that, I guess, is originally they wanted to have the Mike Myers movie, uh, So I Married an Axe Murderer, (laughs) on the uh, screen. And they also wanted to try and get uh, Mike Myers for a cameo <laughs> in the movie, and he just said no. Like, that sounds dumb. 
And so they ended up using Scream 2 instead as the movie they were watching. But it was just kind of funny because that movie literally just came out the year before this one. I do really like that they did have Scream, and that made me laugh when I was rewatching it. And the fact that somehow Scream exists in this universe. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's like a movie. You know, when there is actual serial killers, like, going around in this world, and then now they have Scream, which then also within Scream has the Stab franchise, which is making fun of Scream. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I guess there's another reference to uh, Scream at the, I guess, uh, Lori tells someone go down to the Becker's house or something, and that's, like, the name of Drew Barrymore's character in Scream. So they're like implying that they're in the same neighborhood. Dude, um, that's funny. I didn't even realize. I didn't catch that one. I already mentioned this was Josh Hartnett's first movie. Um, anything else that was like super interesting from from this one? Uh, it didn't have too much of a controversial production, really. Nothing really stood out. It was purely made for money. Clearly, the sequel to it was definitely a money gig as well, because <laughs> she wanted no part of it, but was just forced into it anyway. Um, this isn't a fun... Fa well, I will say, I, I do really love about the movie, it's 86 minutes long, which is uh, incredible. <laughs> it's just a very, very fast-paced flick, and, and anybody who's ever listened to the show knows I love a short movie. Um, and this, is, this isn't specifically for this film, but... Interestingly, Jamie Lee Curtis has now played Lori in six different decades. Of wow. 19, uh, so obviously the original film was 1978, and then Halloween 2 was in 1981, and then the movie of today's episode, H2O, 20 years later, 1998, and then Halloween Resurrection, the movie we've been shooting on that I have not seen, but it looks insane. Uh, came out in 2002, and then the David Gordon Green reboot began in 2018, and now we're ending, or, uh, and then Halloween Kills last year, and Halloween Ends this year in the 2020s. So she has been in six different decades as this character. It's pretty nuts. <laughs> that is wild. I will say, like, out of all the different slash, like, all these other, like, you know, there was... They tried to do the reboot of Nightmare on Elm Street. They tried to do the reboot of Friday the 13th. They've rebooted Texas Chainsaw Massacre multiple times. And, like, none of those other ones ever took off. Like, they were always just, like, a one, and then it kind of flopped, and then they just kind of dropped it. But with Halloween, that's one that they keep going back to, and it always gets multiple movies every time they reboot it so it's like they have something there and like the ones that are the most successful are always the ones that jamie lee curtis is attached to yeah absolutely um yeah and then there's like three which has nothing to do with michael myers but people really dig it yeah people really like it's one of those where when i initially watched it i was mad that michael myers wasn't in it and it had nothing to do you know with anything that happened in halloween one or two and it really grew it grows on you more like the older i've gotten i'm like all right i'm not mad at it anymore i'm like as a standalone movie it's a pretty good movie it just has nothing to do with halloween <laughs> the franchise so it's well known that uh in the original film the michael myers mask is william shatner's face or it's a mold of william shatner's face 
Why don't you tell us the fun fact about the mask in this movie in particular? Yeah, so I watched a little bit of, after watching the movie, I went to YouTube and there was a documentary about Halloween H2O and stuff where they were interviewing people and stuff. And one of the things I didn't realize, and watching it, I guess I kind of realized, but I didn't fully realize that there's they used four different masks in this movie. Um, in the beginning intro scene with Joseph Gordon-Levitt and stuff, initially they used the mask from Halloween 6, and they were only really using it because I guess the uh, mask they were planning on for H2O wasn't ready yet, so they just used that like to hold its place. And then they had one that they referred to as the Casper mask, which was missing a lot of facial details very white it's like pure white and they that mask is still in the movie and you can see it at certain scenes they really use it for more like far away shots and stuff and the eye holes on it look like a little bigger a little more like rounder and stuff than normal but they didn't really like it that much because it didn't show a lot of expression because it was just pure white like there was no cheekbone definition there was no so it didn't really show up that well on camera so that's why they switched to the third mask. And in certain scenes where there were the, was the Casper mask, they did CGI, which it's very brief. And I had to rewind it and pause it the scenes because it like cuts really quick from it because they don't want you to stare at it for too long. But there's one scene in particular with uh, um, her son, John's friend or whatever, Charlie, when right before he's about to die. And he turns around and you see it and it's just a real quick cut to Michael's face, and then it cuts back to Charlie. But if you pause it, you can see the CGI. Like, it's not 100% over the face. It's, like, slightly off a little bit and stuff, and, like, the cheeks are super dark. And you can tell they just layered it over the Casper mask <laughs> to try and, like, make it work, which was an odd choice. I don't know why they didn't reshoot it. I think in the documentary they were saying that they wanted to reshoot that scene, but... They just couldn't or something, so they opted to CGI the mask over it instead, which seems like an odd choice. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, did you have any others? Or this is a fairly unproblematic film. Uh, nothing juicy, really, one way or another. Just some little fun things like that. But do you have any others? Or no, I think that was like most of the like little tidbit stuff that I caught on to. Cool. Yeah, I didn't have too much for this one in particular, so. Uh, much like the length of the film, maybe we'll have a shorter podcast today. We'll see. Um, so let's talk about the movie itself. So once again, um, from this point onward, we're going to go through the whole part of the film, uh, or at least the things that we thought were noteworthy. And uh, it's going to be full spoilers. So uh, be warned, and uh, we'll get to the categories right afterwards. So let's jump into it. So... The opening establishing shot is exactly the same as it was in the original film. It looks really cool. Um, and it's an old woman's house who's uh, coming home from work. And uh, she notices that there's been a break-in at her house. And she goes next door to find, like, a teenage Joseph Gordon-Levitt-ish and his friend. This is for, during his, like, uh, third rock from the Sundays, or, like, 
later on in that run. Yeah, he's got that cute baby face yeah, still. And he's got like this wise guy accent that he talks with during it, and he's just like... <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite things, too, is because she bumps into the friend, and they're playing hockey, and of course the friend's wearing a hockey, hockey goalie mask. mask that looks like Jason's. Yeah. <laughs> so that was like a fun like little throwback to Friday the 13th. Yeah, your first little jump scare. <laughs> it's like Jason in broad daylight. <laughs> um, and that's the interesting thing, too. So it's like, it's daylight when this is going on she goes talks to uh joseph gordon levitt and then they call the cops and then i guess it's gonna be like 15 minutes before the cops can get there um and then for whatever reason uh joseph gordon levitt decides he's gonna go in and check out the place uh and the old lady and his friend stay out front and uh he's going through the house and uh there's like cookies on the table and he takes a fucking bite of one and just puts it back on the plate yeah the intro that intro is like one of my like favorites of just him kind of going through the house doing whatever and then he gets spooked in the kitchen and then knocks all the pans and stuff off with the hockey stick and starts yelling and realize he just like scared himself and he like grabs like three beers from a refrigerator and he's like just like hiding them in his jacket (laughs) and then he discovers that uh in her office had been trashed and uh so then he goes back outside uh and they go home and it's suddenly night outside (laughs) it was just like the afternoon like a second ago when they were next door playing hockey but now it's pitch black dark outside and uh they just say no it looks like there's a break in your office got fucked but like you're all good and so she's like, all right. And then she just goes into the house. The cops have not shown up. And seemingly we've gone a long time because it's completely different outside now. Cop, go figure. That's pretty accurate, right? Yeah, yeah. honestly, that's fitting. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so she goes in and of course the lights are killed. There's no power in the house. And she can't call the cops. And she goes into her office and discovers that a file for one Laurie Strode has been stolen. And Michael Myers is in the house. Uh, and so she sees him, runs away. Or, and she actually is kind of like a smart person in this scene where she's like, oh, fuck no. Like, yeah. out of here. As soon as the door is open, blowing in the wind, she's like, I locked that door. And then the back door is blowing in the wind now. She's like, nope, I'm getting out, get out of Dodge. Yeah. So that's good to see somebody actually being smart and like getting the fuck out of there. So she runs back next door to see Joseph Gordon-Levitt and his friend. And guess what happened to old Joe? He's got an ice skate through the face. It's <laughs> like, so good. In a chair. I don't remember how his friend was... Oh, you're right. He right. had the knife in the back. She opened the door to leave when she saw Joseph yeah. Gordon-Levitt in the chair, and he's standing there stammering and then falls on top of her with a butcher knife in his back. And then um, and then Michael comes in the house, and the cops finally show up at her house next door, and like she's screaming for them, and they don't hear it. And they're like mid walking through her front door and she smashes the window and they don't fucking hear it and they just close the door and go through the house. And then they come out and then they witness Michael slit her throat in the window. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, well, they don't even catch him. They're just like, oh, look, they shine the light in the window and they're like, oh, looks like it was a two for one. They, They hit two houses and then Michael stole a car 
and just drives off. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Michael steals a fucking muscle car. Which is funny to me. driving it around. Which is funny to me, too, in the sense I'm like, how does he know how to drive? He murdered his <laughs> as sister a as a child and then was in, like, penitentiary his entire life. I was like, going to ask you, have you ever seen Michael drive in a movie before? Ex- like, I don't think I have. Not that I can. But, I mean, I guess that explains how he gets everywhere so quick. If he can just hotwire a car and just take off. The aforementioned, the shape is actually the shape of a Camaro. <laughs> yeah, he'd do anything for family. But yeah, that was so fucking funny to me that he drove away in a muscle car. Like, I was just like, what the hell is going on? And that, and he does that for, like, a lot of the movie. He's yeah, driving around in that car in multiple scenes. They make it, like, they obviously spent some money on this car. And they're like, we're going to get as many shots with this car in it as we can since we had to yeah. pay all this money he for it. He drives, like, three different vehicles throughout the film. It's, like, pretty perplexing. Um, so that's our setup for the movie. It's actually a pretty sweet opening uh, to the film to get reintroduced to Michael. I liked it quite a bit. But it also, my, my, probably my biggest beef with this movie is that like 90% of the kills happen off screen. And I'm like, what the fuck? I would have loved to see Joseph Gordon-Levitt get a fucking ice skate through the face. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think probably just for like budget reasons or like, oh, well, we can't do this effectively so we're just going to show the aftermath of it yeah. and try and save some we face. don't want to get a melon painted to look like <laughs> yeah. uh, joseph gordon levitt <laughs> they smash through it um so now we're going to cut to meeting uh catching up with Lori, who's uh having nightmares about michael killing her son who was played by josh hartnett um and uh yeah so she's yeah, she has pretty bad nightmares, and it's very reminiscent, like you mentioned, of the new reboot franchise in that vein, where she's just very traumatized by what happened a long time ago. Yeah, and then now at this point, she's no longer going by Lori Strode. She's assumed a new name and has kind of gone into hiding and now works at this prestigious academy, which at first, when I first watched it, I thought it was a college and then because you, the kids look yeah, so old. yeah the kids all look like they're like in their mid-20s like they look very much like a young ashton kutcher yeah <laughs> like level of like that age and then you realize oh you know dad sent me a birthday card for my 17th birthday and i'm like dude what 17 year old is like six foot four and like stacked <laughs> it's supposed to be poetic because Lori was 17 in the original um but you find out that uh father is not around and he is an abusive chain-smoking meth addict uh so you do not see him in this film so laurie's the sole parent and she is the head mistress of some bougie ass like boarding school that like boys and girls like do like basically slave labor at all day (laughs) like it's so bizarre it's a school but they're also working kitchens and cleaning things and doing like just work all around the campus. It's very, very peculiar. <laughs> well, you know, you gotta, you know, pay for that tuition somehow. And it's only protected by LL Cool J at the front gate, who just lets anybody who fucking wants to come in and out. Yep, and all day he just sits there writing his like erotic <laughs> and calls his wife on the phone and reads it to her. 
So weird. Um, and then we get a scene, which you were kind of alluding to, where uh, Michael, his uh, muscle car, he like ripped the tires apart on it, and he's at a rest stop in the middle of nowhere. And a mom and her little daughter show up, and the kid really needs to pee. And for whatever reason, the men's restroom is locked. And it's a really good tension scene where they're both in the stall, and then you see Michael come in, and she can see Michael through the doorway openings. And Michael steals her fucking purse so he can take her car, and that's all that transpires there. But it's like really played out well, and it makes you think for a second that Michael might be like murdering the child in the next stall. Yeah, they did a really good job of that, where the little girl's going to the bathroom or whatever, and she's just like sitting there, like humming a little song and stuff. And then after Michael takes the purse and kind of leaves, she like stops, and for a second. You know, the mom starts panicking. It's like, oh my God, like what happened? Then she all of a sudden continues singing again. And so she's like, all right, my baby girl's safe. He took my purse. It's fine. We're alive. Everything's good. And then she screams and she jumps in. And then the mom jumps in the door and it's, oh, a spider fell on her head. (laughs) (laughs) Which was a pretty clever scene, I thought. Um, And then, like we said, Lori's the headmistress of this bougie-ass school. Uh, El Cool J and his erotica. Um, and then El Cool J lets uh, Lori's son and his buddy out the front gate. And apparently he does it all the time. Yep. <laughs> he still has his job. Um, and then Lori is secretly having like a relationship with like a counselor at the school. And they both leave half day. Oh, it's Halloween, of course. Duh, by the way. It's Halloween, <laughs> 1998. Um, and uh, they they go for lunch in the middle of the day and they leave campus and uh, talk about boning that night and stuff like that. And there's some big uh, like camping trip going on that night for the school. But Lori won't let her son go for some reason. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> didn't make sense there's to a me. big school trip to Yosemite, and she doesn't want her son to go, I think, just because she's afraid that Michael is going to kill him. And so she wants him to be there like all the time, and he's dealt with this his entire life, and he's finally hit the breaking point of, look, your trauma is not my trauma. I get that your brother tried to kill you. He's dead. He's gone. Like, you watched him die, he not seen him, no one's heard from him in, like, 17 years, like, I don't know why you're still worried about this, I want to live my life. And she won't let him go on the school trip, so then him, his girlfriend, and then his uh, best friend Charlie and his girlfriend Sarah all decide that they're going to stay behind at the school and have their own little halloween party slash dinner or whatever at the basement of the school slash orgy yeah Uh, slash orgy they did mention orgies a lot uh in their plans for that (laughs) evening (laughs) well you know charlie fox yeah they were pretty progressive for those uh teenagers in the 90s um especially you know with everything that was going around back then um so then uh, okay so yeah they go out to lunch they get busted of course but they, they steal some booze for the evening, so they're going to have a good old bad teenage time. It's nighttime now, and Michael shows up to the school, 
and he is toying with LL Cool J's character at the security desk office area and like different <laughs> windows making noises and shit and he's really spooked trying to find him yeah i did really like that scene where the car pulls up to the gate and then ll cool j goes out to inspect it and no one's in the car and then like michael's like messing with stuff like around the bike he goes back to his little like hut and stuff because he's on the phone with his wife and he's like dude i don't know what's going on there's some like weird car here and you see michael like walk past the window and do this and he keeps like going out to like investigate the car and do whatever so you're like it builds all this tension like you're like oh dude is he gonna get off like right here and then nothing happens and also Lori decides oh i'm being too smothering so i'm gonna let my son go but they have already made this plan that they're all gonna stay behind so he pretends like he's going to go on the field trip but he doesn't and so which is kind of a weird plan because, like, strangely, all these people, like, fucking live here on campus. Yeah, they all have dorms, which is, again, why I thought this was a college the first time I watched <laughs> it. Because all the students wear little preppy uniforms and they all live in dorms and do whatever. So it's like... And Lori lives here. Yeah, yeah, she lives on campus. Like, everyone lives in this nice little gated community here. It's very, very strange. Um, but good for her for being all rich and shit at that age. But I mean, I guess it's home is paid for. Um, so Michael, yeah, he shows up with another broke ass car steaming at the front gates and he's fucking around with LL Cool J. And then the kids are setting up their orgy slash dinner night thing (laughs) to celebrate Halloween. At the same time, Lori is macking hard with her secret boyfriend and tells him that she is actually the Laurie Strode and not this Tate person that she's been using as an identity. Um, And he, of course, knows the story of what happened. And so it was like a big reveal to them, I guess, uh, right before they get to the dirty. Also, a side note that she drinks like Fleischmann's vodka like throughout the whole movie like all the time also Lori is like much like the new ones too she's also like an alcoholic in yeah movie. <laughs> yeah when they were out on her lunch date she had like three glasses of wine and then she has a entire bottle of vodka and little phrases that, that she like chugs a glass of vodka and then rinses her mouth with some mouthwash and stuff to try and hide the fact that you know she's obviously liquored up yeah oh man at the restaurant her boyfriend like left to go take a call or something and then she told the waiter give me another glass now (laughs) yeah and he looks down at the table and she still has a full glass and she's like did i stutter and then he leaves and she just starts chugging the glass of wine (laughs) and then he comes back and she finishes it and just hands him the empty glass (laughs) uh yeah so yeah she's a functioning alcoholic in in this film as she's dealing with her trauma so the kids have been uh fixing up their uh like dinner night thing the kitchen situation is weird there's like three different floors of like the exact same kitchen with like a butler's elevator where you can send food up and down it and the kids keep getting inside those things and like sending themselves up to different floors as they're like preparing their different meals and charlie uh laurie's son john's best friend is making something in the kitchen and then that's when he gets attacked by michael 
Yeah, he's trying to find a corkscrew for the wine. Right. And there wasn't one on the second floor or whatever, so he hops in the dumbwaiter to go up to the third floor to see if there's one in that kitchen. And he does find it, and of course it's like on the edge of the sink on top of a sponge or something, and he goes to grab it, and it falls in the sink into the garbage disposal. And he does this like look where he's like looking at the switch for the garbage disposal and he's looking at the garbage disposal and he's like sticking his hand in there and he keeps glancing back at the switch, which I think is funny because in the trailer for Halloween Ends, there's a very similar scene with Lori where her hand is in the garbage disposal thing or whatever when she's like fighting Michael in the trailer. So I thought that was kind of a funny like callback to nice. H2O with Charlie and he's like sitting there and he finally fishes it out and when he finally does fish out the corkscrew he turns around and Michael's standing right there and he's like hello mister and then <laughs> and then it cuts away and you don't see what happens to him. And then his girlfriend is looking for him because he's missing and then she finds him in like the dumb waiter yeah the dumb waiter comes down and she's like oh you know charlie's back and opens it and he is back but he's not breathing <laughs> once again killed off screen yeah. and and propped up into this elevator and then he kills her too at this point yeah we don't see her that's another off-screen <laughs> death but i will say out of all the deaths like hers is i thought like one of the cooler, like, for Charlie, yeah, he got, like, stabbed to death, like, what I'm assuming with the corkscrew in his chest or whatever, but for her, she goes through the ringer where she tries to fight Michael, and she, like, escapes through the dumbwaiter, but then Michael cuts the rope, and it, like, shatters her leg in half, so she's kind of, like, crawling around on the ground, and we don't see what happens to her, but then when, um john and his girlfriend find her they flip on the light and she's hanging from the ceiling with the light bulb like in her chest and like her entire chest cavity is like hollowed out like with like a shovel or something she's just hanging there from the ceiling i didn't mention it earlier but john's girlfriend is also played by a young michelle williams uh academy award nominated actress winner too did she win an oscar she might have what has she been in She's been in a, a million things like uh, Blue Valentine, um, Shutter Island, okay. um, uh, Brokeback Mountain. Um, she's like really prestige drama actress most of the time. She was on Dawson's Creek at this time. <laughs> at, 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 at the How time fitting. Of this film, which is uh, one of my uh, nominations for the most 1998 thing is like Dawson's Creek era Michelle Williams. <laughs> Um, anyway, so yeah, yeah. So, uh, John and his girlfriend then go and find those bodies, and they're like, holy shit, Michael's here. Um, and then Michael starts to pursue them, and this is a really cool scene where he's chasing down those two, and they, like, run through this, like, courtyard section of the school, and they're trying to get into this other building, and there's a gate blocking it, but they have the keys, and, like, they're fighting to find the right key, of course, to get into the gate. And they finally do right before Michael gets them. And they close the gate. But it's, like, two to three feet from the gate to the building door. And the building door is locked. And now they're locked inside the gate. And Michael's outside of it. And he also picks up the keys that were dropped outside. And so then Michael takes his knife and he's just trying to shank the shit out of them like on the other side of this fence and that's like he's like centimeters away from them with the knife 
Which, that, so that was a really cool scene, and one of the things, I guess, that kind of occurred to me when rewatching it is, like, Michael doesn't have superhuman strength, but he has above average strength. Like, he stabs people with, like, a knife one-handed and, like, picks them up, like, full-grown adult men, like, with his strength. So I'm like, why couldn't you just kick down the, like, it's just a flimsy, like, gate. metal gate. Like, yeah. it's wiggling as he's, like, doing this, so it's not even, like, super strong. I'm like, why couldn't you just kick that in? But then, of course, you wouldn't have the cool tension scene. So I get why they didn't do it. But I'm just like, he's so strong, he probably could have just ripped the gate off with his bare hands. And if this he was really a cool point visually because then their backs are to the wall and they're about to get stabbed, and Michael's about to unlock the gate. And so then, as Michael finds the right key, the door behind them opens, and it's Lori and her boyfriend. Because Lori, as she was about to bone her boyfriend, had an epiphany and went and looked at John's room and discovered he never went on the field trip. And then she went crazy at that point. <laughs> like, yeah. She is off her rocker when she makes that discovery. So anyway, she goes and saves them right before Michael's about to kill them. There's a big window in the doorway. So then she slams it shut, and then her and Michael come face to face. But there, there's a door between them, and that's like a really sick shot. Um, so like I really dug that particular scene. Um there yeah that was a good shot and that's the shot that they used for a lot of the promotional material oh, I can stuff imagine. for the it was movie like definitely a banger trailer shot right yeah there. um and then uh then we get a really really crazy scene uh next because they're inside the house and then michael somehow gets in Lori's boyfriend takes Lori's gun and, like, a guy comes into the hallway, and they're like, oh, shit, Michael got in. Shoots the shit out of him. And guess what? It's LL Cool J. It's not <laughs> Michael Myers. <laughs> so the black man gets shot up by the white man, of course. That's how it usually works in these things. Um, and he, as they're trying to see if LL Cool J is still alive, which allegedly he's dead, then Michael comes up from behind and kills her boyfriend. <laughs> like, yeah. stabs him to death. This shit is happening very, very fast. We're already through, like, 80% of the movie. <laughs> yeah, when you got 90 minutes to work with, they go by pretty quick <laughs> once Michael shows up. Um, yeah, so LL Cool J and, uh, is uh, presumably dead, and then Michael kills Lori's boyfriend. And then they're running away, trying to escape. And then this is where, similarly to the the most recent first film, the really good one of the reboot or slash legacy sequel, uh, Lori tells. Uh, also, her son is like really injured. He did get stabbed in like the leg. Yeah. And some other things. So then she has um, Michelle Williams and Josh Hartnett get in her car, and she unlocks the gate and has them just go to the hospital. Uh, and, like, call the cops. But then she closes the gate and, like, breaks the thing, the system, to open it. And <laughs> and so she just wants to lock herself in this big boarding school with Michael to have, like, a big showdown with him. <laughs> yeah, she, uh, the gate's near the little hut for the security guard, so she kicks in the the glass for the fire axe and stuff and grabs that and that's like her like final girl weapon that she's gonna go toe-to-toe with michael with yes and it's actually pretty badass so yeah she gets the fire axe uh and then they kind of go blow for blow on each other um 
where uh, he's like trying to stab her and he kicks her and shit, and then she like hits him in the shoulder with the axe, and then she kicks him in the balls. <laughs> uh, it's like pretty good hand to hand. Um, oh, and then she impales him with the flag of California. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and uh, then he chases her to the kitchen, and she just starts grabbing like cutting knives and shit, and like throwing them across the room at him <laughs> ineffectively. Uh, but then, though, yeah, so then when she kicks him in the balls, you get, like, a, a close-up of Michael's eyes, and he's just like, <gasps> Yeah, that part was little, he gets, like, a little cross-eyed, and then, like, throws her, or whatever, like, after that happens, and that was, like, I know that was a scene that a lot of people kind of riffed on, because it looked a little goofy with, you know, being able to see Michael's eyes and stuff, and him being like, ooh, like, when he gets kicked in the balls. And then another, you know parallel to both the original film and the 2018 film uh she stabs him in the chest and pushes him off like the top of this like staircase and he falls really far onto the ground presumably dead uh so then she goes downstairs to ensure that he's actually dead uh and and she's gonna stab him more uh, but then LL Cool J shows up, and he's not dead. <laughs> and he's like, nah, Lori, it's enough. He's dead? He's dead. <laughs> <laughs> and so Lori's gonna go ensure that the kill is there, and just continue to stab the shit out of him. And this motherfucker, who we thought was dead, and has done nothing the entire movie, except let adolescent children uh, leave school to go buy alcohol, um, <laughs> and he can write erotica. So he's done nothing, and then he stops her from ensuring that michael is dead because she's he's already dead bro it's like dude you just got shot like five times where you're walking around like nothing happened so this dude just got stabbed a few times and you're like no he's dead it's like you're not dead you should be dead like this is insane uh so then the police show up along with the coroners and they bring michael out in a body bag and put him in the coroner van then Lori does some batshit things here and rips out a gun and like threatens all the police and the paramedics and she's like, get the fuck away. And she gets in the van and drives off with Michael's body. And she's just hightailing it down the highway and constantly looking in the rearview mirror to see Michael awaken within that body bag. And that's cool too because it's not her being a dumbass. She like... It's like, I know this motherfucker is not dead. Like, I will not believe it. And, like, I'm just waiting for him to just start to get up, and then we'll see what happens. Yeah, I do really like that, because I like when she pushes him off the balcony and he falls, because that's, like, a throwback to Halloween 1, and then you kind of expect that when she goes downstairs that he's going to be gone, and it's kind of surprising that he's actually still there, laying on the table, like, passed out, because that's kind of the whole thing, is, you know, you think he's dead, and then he disappears, but then, yeah, she steals the gun from a police officer and then steals the van and is, like, driving off with him because she knows he's going to come back. She's like, no, 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 this ends tonight, which I thought was really surprising the first time when I watched it because you kind of think, oh, it's the end of the movie. Like, most of the time it's like, oh, scream, you know, the cops are here, the whatever, they're wrapping it up. But it's like, no, this is still going on. Yeah. And she's like, no, we're continuing this and it's not over yet. Yes. And, and so she's fully expecting this dude to wake up in the body bag and then try to attack her from behind. So, 
he does, of course, wake up and get out of the body bag. And she's like, not today, motherfucker. And she, like, smashes on the brakes and shoots this motherfucker through the windshield. <laughs> and he goes flying out of the car. <laughs> Oh, man. And then, as he is outside of the car now, then she runs his ass over off of a cliff. <laughs> and, like, so now she's free-falling inside of this van, and he's in front of the van. She smushed him with it, and uh, they land at the bottom of, like, a hill, and Michael is now smushed between a van and a tree. <laughs> Yes, he's sandwiched between the van and the tree, and then Lori got thrown out of the van or whatever, comes out of it with the firefighter axe, and it was bleeding, like, a little banged up, and then Michael's sitting there, and trying to, kind of starts to come to and, like, realize what happened and that he's, like, trapped, and has this kind of moment that we hadn't seen before in any of the other Halloween movies where he kind of reaches his hand out, and for just, like the briefest of seconds you can like i don't know if it's like pity or just like what but like Lori kind of like reaches her hand out too to kind of just like graze like his hand with her hand yeah they're like touching fingers bloody fingers they're yeah. just like kind of like like just being brother and sister yeah they have a sibling it. bonding moment for a split second and then she chops his head yeah. off <laughs> and then that's short-lived and she's like fuck you michael and then just firefighter acts to the neck and just lops his head off and then it goes rolling and then you know the halloween music kicks in which is a fucking sick ending like no. it was a great ending god and that's the, so that's the thing that pisses me off the most is i know you haven't seen resurrection right uh-huh. yeah so that ending like beautiful ending like she did it she killed michael and then resurrection because you know obviously michael's still alive but it's like how can he be alive if laurie cut his head off they completely fucked that ending they did such a good job ending h2o and then they totally like 180 that ending to make resurrection work and just ruin it by instead michael for the opening of resurrection they show what happened and when michael was in the body bag he wakes up chokes out a police officer so that he can't talk and switches with him and so the police officer is now dressed like Michael Myers and gets put in the body bag. And Michael is dressed as a police officer still at the scene and drives off or does whatever. And so supposedly that was the police officer that was Michael that was trapped between the tree and the whatever. And he couldn't say anything because Michael crushed his fucking throat. And so instead, Lori killed the police officer. And I'm like... Dude, like, you had such a good ending, and then you threw it away for resurrection of all things. And then all of those movies got deleted anyway, and yeah. got redone, essentially, with the uh, latest uh, Legacy sequel. So that, my friends, is a very brief Halloween movie, which is, honestly, it was pretty entertaining. How did you feel coming out of it? Yeah, I still thought it held up really good for the most part. Like I said, there was little things here and there from, like, a technical standpoint and stuff that I noticed now, like watching it and stuff, and that I kind of held against it more than when I used to watch it. But all in all, I still thought it was an enjoyable experience. Like, it's one that I would still, like, watch again. I would probably watch it again, too, sometime. And honestly, I liked it so much more than I expected to. <laughs> I'm not saying it's, like, great cinema or anything, or, like, one of... Uh, I'd say it's probably, like, 
the third or fourth best Halloween movie I've seen, though. Yeah, I feel like um, it gets slept on a lot because it was towards the end of, like, that Halloween, like, franchise and stuff before the reboots and stuff. So I feel like a lot of people wrote it off because of movies like Resurrection and stuff like that. But in comparison to, like, movies like Halloween, like, 4 and 5 and, like, whatever, like, I would sooner watch H2O over a lot of, like, the middle sequels of the Halloween franchise. Agreed, agreed. So I'd say it's a pretty fairly successful uh, rewatch for you and first-time watch for me. Um, so that was a pleasant surprise. Why don't we kick it into our topic rounds now? Um, starting with best performance. What do you have for best performance? So, I mean, for best performance... Is there to any... Be, yeah, it's question? Jamie Lee Curtis. It's Jamie like, Lee Curtis. I don't Every see time. how it's not. Every like, time. She was the most sensible, I feel like, person. Like, yes, you know, was she, like, overprotective of her son? Of course, but if you lived through the never-ending nightmare that was, you know, her life, dealing with your brother trying to constantly kill you and, like, murdering your family and stuff, I feel like you'd be overprotective of your family, too, so, and I feel like in terms of, you know, performance, if she really, I thought, like, gave it her, even though it was just a paycheck to her, you know, I thought Jamie Lee Curtis did a really good job at, you know, being mad when she needed to be mad and being scared when she needed to be scared and stuff like that. Like, Mm -hmm. it didn't feel like she was just, like, a wall sitting there, like, oh, Michael's back, I guess. Yeah. So what was your favorite aspect of the film? So, my which we talked about it a little bit earlier, but, like, my favorite aspect is what they also tried to do with the this latest reboot and stuff is I really like the Lori kind of coming to terms with her past and finally being like, no... I can't, I'm not doing this again, I'm not running away anymore, like, this final fight is going to happen now, either he's finally going to kill me, or I'm going to kill him, but either way, one of us, or both of us, is dying tonight. Definitely. My favorite is, what I've also mentioned, is the length and the, uh, uh, the pace of the film, like, it just moves so fast. You're never getting bored in any particular scenario. It just moves so quickly. Like, I think that was the fastest I've ever gotten through a plot of a movie on this podcast. <laughs> like, we recounted everything, and it was just, like, fast. At least, I think it's fast. Yeah, <laughs> like, there's not a lot of lull time in between, like, scenes and stuff. Like, a lot of, like, what you see and stuff and, like, the buildup they're doing goes by really quick. And I like the fact that even when Michael's not in a lot of the scenes and stuff, like, Lori sees him or whatever, like, in, like, the reflection of a window or, like, from far away Mm -hmm. and stuff. So I like the fact that even when, like, Michael's not around, he's still there and, like, haunting her. Um, Let's go into our fine wine and stale beers. Um, so what's the fine wine? What's, like, aged the best I th- out of all that, everything in the movie? So for one of my fine wines, so Jimmy, Ice Skate to the Face. Like, that yeah. scene, still, like, out of all, like, a lot of the murder scenes, that one is one of my favorites because you're not really expecting it. Like, in the, like we just saw Jimmy. He was just in the house, and then she goes and like, turns the chair around, and then it's, like, the big reveal, and there's just this honking Ice Skate, like, hanging off his face, and he's just slumped over and it still looks really good. Like, that effect looked really good. And that was one that I really enjoyed. And I mentioned it earlier, but, like, the reflections of Michael 
was like one of my favorite things like her seeing him around and stuff i thought that held up really well the dumbwaiter scene was another one that that was like really suspenseful and i thought that that scene held up really good and like a lot of the jump scares when like people bump in the lorry and stuff she gets scared like even though i've seen it before so i knew it was coming so i didn't jump but i still think you know a lot of even newer horror movies tried to force jump scares and do whatever and i felt like the jump scares in this movie were kind of natural and stuff and they didn't like really try to like force it on you but uh and then of course watching scream watching scream was <laughs> one of my favorite like yeah. call i love the scream franchise and stuff and the fact that that's like what they were watching and stuff on the tv i was like chef's kiss yes yes i loved all that too my uh fine wine nominee is the uh i feel like the tension tactics held up really well like they did a lot of really good scenes of like camera trickery that built up tension really well i think better than a lot of horror movies today like a lot of it's still pretty obvious but I, I feel like they did a really good job in several different scenes of really building and holding tension and kind of surprising the audience like with the jump scares or with the camera movements or just there's just a lot of surprises for how things shook out despite the fact that we didn't really get to see a lot of those deaths on screen um so that would be my fine wine what about your stale beer awards <laughs> All right, so first things first. So Marion Chambers' throat slash in the beginning looks so bad. Like <laughs> it's basically like they put ketchup on like a dull knife and just dragged it across her. Like it just looks so bad. And like out of all the deaths, like that's like the worst. Like it was just the worst. Like it looked bad. Like it wasn't that bloody. Like it honestly looked like the knife didn't even like cut her like throat. Like you see later on, like Michael's brutal. Like he caved out a girl's chest. Like snap. Like there's gore in there, and for that scene, like, it was just kind of like, eh, like, yeah. like a butter knife across the throat. I was like, really? Like, so that was kind of weak. And then Michael's mask, once once I found out about the multiple mask thing and stuff while watching it, like, it does bother me a little bit, like, going back, like, certain far away scenes and stuff, like, when it's the same mask where it, it's, like, fine, but, like, certain other ones, like, you can kind of see, like, you know, that it's, like, different, like, the inconsistency, like, with the mask and stuff, especially, like, the hair, like, his hair will be, like, super crazy in, like, one scene or whatever, and then it'll be kind of the more slicked back, like, hair and stuff on the mask in another scene, um, and the blood effects, too, watching it this time, like, the blood's, like, a lot lighter a color in comparison, like, now, where, you know, you have more, like, the dark kind of crimson, like, tones and stuff, this is, like, a very, like, candy apple red, like, clearly like fake blood and stuff especially towards the end when Lori's getting into it with michael and stuff when she has like the like hit her head or it has the blood on the side of her face it's very bright red and like very clearly fake blood and one of the biggest things that i noticed this time that i didn't notice really before that i kind of was like yeah they could have really done that better was a lot of the lighting like didn't make any sense like initially when they go into that house like he killed like, he killed, normally in most Halloween movies, he kills the power. Like, at the chick's house in the intro, you know, he kills the electric, he does, like, whatever. But in the house, when they're in it before, he's, like, uh, you know, he's, the lights are still all on. Like, it's, like, well lit and everything. And I think part of my problem was, you know, you, like, being able to see his eyes, like, 
like most people were like oh like i saw on reddit and stuff like if we black out his eyes and stuff it looks a lot better but to me like even in the original halloween movies you can see his eyes but the lighting's done in such a way where it's darker so you don't really get like a good glimpse at his eyes and stuff they've kind of just like darker sockets but they're still there like it's not like black fabric like covering his eyes or anything and i feel like in a lot of the scenes like in the house and like in the whatever when her like Lori and him are fighting it was too well lit like i feel like in the last half the house is dark and they're fighting and it's like all of a sudden it was like night and day like the lighting was so much better during that last half of the fight than when they were initially in there and everything's well lit and it's like i don't understand like why they chose like that lighting and stuff for those scenes yeah that was my choice for for this uh award was the mask and i didn't even know about the multiple mask thing until after i watched it so that wasn't even it i just thought the mask looked bad the whole movie yeah it did look it very looked weird. weird yeah uh, and i wasn't into it whatsoever um i think we have a few more here um Best scene, uh, I had a few. I, I liked the uh, rest stop scene, and I uh, really liked the uh, scene where the kids were trapped behind the fence trying to get stabbed by Michael, and then I really like the end where he just gets his head chopped yes like that was sick that's classic so one of my favorite scenes and it makes me laugh every single time is after jimmy went in the house and investigated everything and he comes out and he's like yeah you know like no one's in there he's like but they did a number on your office and then she starts walking the house like, oh yeah by the way i don't know why but they messed your kitchen up too and that line always gets me since Jimmy's the one that messed up the kitchen and he just throws that in there like, yeah, I don't really know why, but they like trashed your kitchen while you're at it. But for, I know the next one's best kill and for best kill, that's my favorite is Michael's beheading with the fire. Like every time it's just yeah. so good. It just nails That is it also what I have written. It's like, <laughs> yeah, Michael's death is definitely the best one, which also makes sense because like we've talked about many times, like, most of the deaths on this movie you don't actually get to see. It happens off screen. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, last category uh, for this is what's the most 1998 thing about this movie? So for me, the most 1998 thing I thought was uh, her son, John Tate. His necklace and hair, the entire yes. movie, like he has like the most frat, like fuckboy necklace, and his hair is very like where it's the cowlick, like, messy sort of thing. I don't know, I don't know if that was the style back then. Like, it's very kind of, like, I guess, like, reminiscent of, like, dude, where's my car? Kind of just, like, messy, like, bedhead thing was the style. But every time I saw him, like, you really couldn't have done anything, like, better with this dude's hair. Like, even, like, doing the, where it's gelled with the little, like, surf wave thing in the front, I feel like would have been better than just the, yeah, it's kind of, it's looking like straightened his hair. Like, he had long hair, and they cut it shorter, and it's just kind of, like, straightened, like, out, like, poking out and stuff. It's so weird. I didn't bring this up, but from my research, I found out that the reason why his hair is so fucked up in the movie is because it was Josh Hartnett's very first role and he was very shy and he doesn't talk to people and I guess he doesn't want to be he didn't want to be famous he didn't want to get recognized and so whenever he wasn't on camera he'd instantly put a huge beanie on his head 
and he was always like the, hiding himself so it would fuck up his hair. That, that makes scene, perfect sense. When LL Cool J is like, comb your hair or something, it was yeah. like an ad lib because he looked at his ear. Hair looks insane. Now that you say that, like it does look like he has beanie. It looks like he has hat hair. Yeah. Like that's hilarious. That makes a hundred percent. And the other thing I had too was the phones. Like the yeah, fact I wrote that, down the yeah, corded phones. Yeah, LL uh, Cool J has the corded phone, and then when you see uh. Lori and stuff, she has a cordless phone, but it's, like, the huge beige, like, brick phone and stuff that I thought was really funny. Yeah, I had a couple of things I mentioned earlier, the uh, Dawson's Creek uh, era, Michelle Williams, and then also there's a Creed song in this movie. (laughs) Of course there is. It plays in the fucking credits. As soon as the movie ends, a Creed song pops up, (laughs) and I was like, yep, that's 1998. (laughs) Oh. And the dog's kicking in great. Well, we've reached the very end as she's acting up. Let's get to recasting this movie if we were filming it today in 2022. Um, let's start with the star of this picture. Uh, let's recast Lori Strode here, but specifically in Halloween H2O. And what do we want to do? Do we want to assume that there was another... Uh, movie with this actress 20 years prior or is it just like a recast? I mean, we could assume that because it's like, for me, ideally, like, would it still be Jamie Lee Curtis? Like, sure. But, um, so for me, I was trying to find an actress who would be about that, in that same yeah. age range of when the movie was filmed. So, you know, late 30s, maybe like to mid 40s. And, uh, I, I was looking up different actresses and stuff and so many of them have had like extreme botox and extreme whatever like i didn't like the look of it but i i actually settled on a uh, charlie's theron from mad max oh who I, picked. I really like that one. Oh, that's a great choice okay so yeah i really love charlie's theron and we're just gonna go with that choice but i'll i'll tell you what i had written down and i did the same thing i literally just googled excuse me actresses uh, from age 35 to 45, and yeah. I'm like, all right, let's see what pops up, and uh, yeah, I got Rachel McAdams, Anne Hathaway, Kirsten Dunst, and Scarlett Johansson, but I like yours much better. <laughs> so we'll go with Charlize Theron. She's the whole package. Um, let's go to uh, The Offspring here. So, John Tate, Laurie's son, who do you have? Yeah, so I tried to, since he's supposed to be 17, I tried to pick someone you know younger that doesn't look like they're in their mid-20s and stuff like that and i ended up landing on finn wolfhard oh you know, okay. so yeah because you know he's also been you know he's been in it he's been in some like horror movies and stuff like that so i kind of felt like and you know he has like one of those where he's not like her son wasn't like an overly like pretty boy and stuff either and i feel like finn wolfhard kind of has that like He's not like, you know, oh, drop dead, like, Gord, but he's not like a chud either. So he's just like a normal kind of looking guy that I thought would work. Yeah, I like that. Um, Finn Wolfhard, Timmy Chalamet are like the standards. I tried to find somebody younger. I, I had, uh, I didn't have Finn Wolfhard on my list, but that that's a good pick. I had Timmy Chalamet, but I feel like he's a little bit too old at this point to play a teenager. And then I put, because uh, I just I always struggle trying to pick teenagers for these things, because I just don't know that many teenage actors. 
But I put Tanner Buchanan from <laughs> Cobra Kai. He plays uh, Robbie on that show. <laughs> uh, just being, I could just see him with the crazy hair um, and get into like the horror genre. So we have William Brennan, the guidance counselor, next. And so for that, I tried to pick someone who, because, you know, he, the original actor had kind of salt and peppery hair, like he looked a little older. So I tried to pick someone that I thought would fit that really well. And I picked uh, Timothy Oliphant, Justified, because he has that like nice, he's been in the Mandalorian and stuff. And he has like the nice kind of head of gray hair and stuff now, but Mm -hmm. he's still, you know, not super old looking. Like he still looks fairly young and he's like a pretty attractive looking guy. So I thought... He would be nice for that role. I like that quite a bit. Uh, I tried to go for somebody silver haired as well, but mine went way too old. I went with Steve Carell, yeah, who I my, think is a little bit too old. My initial but. pick before him was George Clooney. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. He's got the Clooney-Carell vibes of the silver there. And then, just because I love him, I put Brian Tyree Henry from like Atlanta. He's 40 years old. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's crazy. Um the uh, the other young kids I don't I don't know uh, I I didn't even try with them really so for Molly which is his girlfriend I picked uh, Chloe Grace Mortez kick ass hit girl oh okay um I thought you know she's about like that age range and stuff so I picked her for the girlfriend and then for best friend Charlie I thought you'd like this one I picked uh, Jacob Betrant the Cobra Kai Hawk. Okay, because yeah. Because kind of there douche, we go. douchey kid. Like, yeah, yeah, I thought... Yeah. I like him, yeah. Yeah, I cool. thought he would be good. And then for his girlfriend, Sarah, I picked uh, Dove Cameron, the okay. chick from, uh, like, she does The Descendants and whatever, yeah. and she's been in some other stuff. Yeah, okay. I like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to throw in the towel on teenage casting. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm just like, it's not my strong suit. <laughs> um, and then Norma Watson, the... Uh, old lady uh, yeah uh, I, the assistant. secretary mm-hmm. yeah I picked uh, Rita Marino yeah. from Jane the Virgin and I think she's been in some other stuff too but she yeah, looked... <laughs> yeah. she uh, she's from West Side Story yeah the Both new versions. West Side Story um, but she looks like she looks old but she doesn't look like she looks really good though for being as old as she is mm-hmm. and that's kind of what I tried to go with I thought it was hard looking up older actresses and stuff and some of them i thought just looked like too old for that part like they did not age that well where she's aged very gracefully my choice is jamie lee curtis (laughs) (laughs) oh dude that would oh man she's playing her mom's part that would okay i love that that's icing on the cake right there um ronnie jones aka l cool j who did you pick I put 50 Cent. Really? I picked Ludacris. <laughs> yes. Okay, I'd rather have Ludacris. So I picked Ludacris, and then for the wife of his wife, I immediately thought Wanda Sykes. Yes, and you just hear her voice over yeah. there. Perfect. It's kind of hard to recast Michael, just because like you don't really need to have a good actor. You just need somebody tall and menacing. Yeah. Uh, so for my choice for Michael, though, I picked uh, Jason Segel. From How I Met Your Mother, Marshall. Oh, Jason. Oh, okay, Jason Siegel. Yeah, from, Siegel. Forgetting uh, uh, Sarah Marshall. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just because he's so tall and he's I like, like that. he's tall, yeah. but he's also not skinny. Like he has some like muscle and like yeah. So and that's when I picture Michael. I always like him. Like you know, he's tall. He's kind of big, and I feel like he could. You know, he's like six four or whatever in real life. So I feel like he would do a good job of like wearing the mask and just being a big body to be there. Yeah. 
I like that a lot. Mine is a, a little bit more obvious. I went with Adam Driver. He's <laughs> like way too talented to play Michael Myers, but he would give it his all. And he'd be like so physical and shit. Like I feel like he'd be a great Michael Myers. <laughs> but uh, I think we've cast a pretty interesting remake of Halloween H2O here, uh, despite my dog's best efforts to not let us do that. Um, but uh, yeah, overall, it was... Uh, it was a fun movie to watch. I'm glad that uh, we talked about it a long time ago on the first episode and we were able to bring it back to fruition and actually watch it and record it right before the release of allegedly the final uh, Halloween film, or at the very least the last one. Before with, they reboot it again. With uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, <laughs> unless she's playing Norma in a future film that I here. Um, so, uh, yeah, thank you for coming back on. and It's been fun doing this in person for the first time. I'll see uh, how it turns out on the mic and stuff, just uh, sitting here together recording. But uh, really appreciate it. And, of course, I'd love to have you back again anytime. Next time we can do uh, Constantine, which is the oh, other movie man. we were talking about. Yeah, I do. Lo- I just rewatched Constantine not that long okay, ago. Okay, and- then we'll pick something else. Oh, then. well, no, don't write. But you haven't seen Constantine. Have I you? haven't seen it, so it would be brand new to me. Exactly. So we could still do it, but it's pretty fresh in your mind. We'll, we'll talk about <laughs> it. We'll see. Uh, what do you want to promote while you're here? Well, I want to thank you for having me on again. It's always a pleasure. And, I, you know, I recommend Halloween H2O. And, you know, if you want to check it out, it is on Paramount+, Plus, but only until uh, the very end of September. So if you want to watch it, you better do it quick before it's gone. But, uh, yeah, you know, I want to promote, you know, uh, Nothing to Play podcast is my podcast that I have. I don't post episodes regularly. I need to actually do another one here soon, but... You know, check that out on Spotify and anywhere else podcasts can be listened to. And I co-host the That Pixel Life podcast, which is a video game podcast that is actually a weekly podcast, which is why I inconsistently post my other one because I'm busy being on that one and editing that one as well. And uh, my game Negative Space is coming out sometime early next year. And, you know, I just got... uh, signed a new audio contract with the fat bard they're going to be doing the soundtrack and the sound effects for the game and stuff and they've worked on a huge list of other indie games and stuff like that so i'm really happy to have them on board doing the music so that's exciting stuff excellent well pleasure as always and thank you to those who have been listening uh we'll be back soon with some more episodes you can check out my website at uh, reallyrefreshing.com where I'm still doing written reviews for current films being released, unlike this podcast. Um, And I've got some exciting new guests coming down the pipeline, so stay tuned for the podcast end of that. Uh, You can also catch me on TikTok occasionally at uh, inconsistently posting things as well at uh, Really Refreshing. Uh, So anyways, thanks for joining us and we'll catch you next time. Happy Halloween.